This is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson. Johnson & Johnson was supposed to be the game changer in allowing us to hit the gas pedal on the vaccinations because it's the one dose, right? Instead, manufacturing problems, and we expect a sharp drop in the supply. We told you about a new double mutant COVID variant, but it doesn't necessarily mean we need to start panicking, at least not just yet. I'll postpone my panic. If we learned anything while being cooped up, isolation is uh, not fun, excruciating for some. That's why dating apps and matchmaking services are expected to boom in the post-COVID era. The pandemic has created a different kind of monster, Zoom zombies, <laughs> and they could pose a lot of danger for themselves and other drivers on our roadways. But let's start with the vaccine supply bottleneck. In the aftermath of 15 million doses of Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccine having to be thrown out thanks to a manufacturing mishap, J&J doses will be scarce at mass vaccination sites in California and across the country. Dr. Bruce Wiley, Executive Director of Public Health Informatics, Computational and Operations Research. So, Doctor, what's going on with J&J? Yeah, again, one of the challenges has been uh, a lack of planning in 2020 leading up to all these issues like production and supply chain, et cetera. So, you know, if we look at the summer of 2020, that's when the um, the Moderna trial and the, the Pfizer trial started. And in September was when the Johnson Johnson trial started. Uh, there should have been a lot more planning uh, and a lot more transparency in terms of how the vaccines were actually going to be produced and then delivered via the supply chain, because these are not small issues. And when it comes to production and the supply chain, that also includes you know, making sure you have the proper processes uh, to make sure the vaccines are produced safely uh, and how that's actually going to be followed and inspected. And so if we have a situation where uh, a production facility wasn't really producing you know, the, the right batches, uh, there should have been procedures in place to prevent something like that. Now, uh, also, to, to be uh, clear for anybody who has already uh, received a Johnson & Johnson vaccine, those are fine. Uh, we're talking about uh, there was an issue at a production facility for doses that had not yet gone out, so they had to be destroyed. Uh, and also, of course, it raises the issue about in the future the uh, volume of Johnson & Johnson vaccine that is going to be readily available. That being said, how bad uh, off now are we, even though we've got Pfizer and we've got Moderna, we don't have AstraZeneca yet approved in this country, and maybe even if it is because of some, as you know, recent controversy with that vaccine, that may be an issue. How badly does this put a dent in our drive to vaccinate the population? Yeah, you know, uh, a big challenge is there's, there's a lot of people who are interested in and wanting to get vaccinated, but you know, one of the big rate-limiting steps is, is not having enough vaccines to get people covered. And we have to keep in mind that it's really important to try to get coverage, high, higher levels of coverage as soon as possible, and especially before uh, we reach the fall and the winter, because if the past is any, any suggestion, the transmission of the virus may go down during the, uh, during the summer uh, with the weather change, but then pick up again in the fall and winter. So it's really a priority to try to get people vaccinated as quickly as possible. So we need enough vaccines to actually do that. I guess maybe they end up hitting their goals or hitting their marks when you look at the long timeline. But if we were going to shave any time off of that, maybe that's no longer what's going to be happening, at least with J&J. Well, yeah, one of the keys is really because 
the further we get along in the pandemic and the more widespread the virus is, the tougher it is to actually uh, control and bring it back down. Um, so there is a there is a an urgency um, to really try to get high coverage levels as soon as possible. So you're right in the sense that eventually there'll be enough vaccines, but timing is of the essence in this case. Is part of the problem also, and this has come up before with this uh, pandemic, is we have all these great expectations because we're such an impatient society and we want things when we want them. When in, in fact, you know, all these vaccines, Johnson & Johnson included, have been done at, at record time, and we're kind of lucky that we have them at all, aren't we? Well, certainly, uh, it, it was an accomplishment to try to get the vaccines uh, developed and uh, getting authorizations in that time. So, so that you know, that's to be applauded. I think the issue here is that there were certain parts of the whole vaccine process that probably didn't get enough attention, which is the distribution, and because vaccines won't just magically appear. They actually have to be produced and distributed. And historically, we've seen many situations in the past where that aspect of vaccines or vaccination is is overlooked. So people get very excited when a new vaccine is available, but we have to keep in mind it has to somehow reach the arms of people. And uh, many times that process is neglected. Dr. Bruce Wiley, Executive Director, Public Health Informatics, Computational and Operations Research. Variants of the coronavirus are circulating throughout the U.S. And we told you about a new double mutant COVID strain that has emerged in California. But how potent is this variant? Is this scary enough to hold all of our reopening plans? WBBM's Jim Gudis spoke with Roberts Langrith, a health reporter for Bloomberg News. What is a double mutant and what is the significance of that, that there is now one that's emerging in California? Yeah, well, I think that's sort of, a, 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 I guess, you know, a clever naming uh, of, of a new variant because, in fact, all the variants we're talking about have more than two mutations. They have like a dozen or so, like the one from South that started in South Africa. The people are most concerned about that as multiple mutations. So for some, and as well as the uh, one that's the most prevalent one in the, in the U.S. right now, the uh, B.1.117, uh, you know, that one, which is much more contagious and then started with first notice in the UK, that one also has many mutations. But for some reason, this particular uh, variant that combines uh, that we saw a few cases in California that they gave it, and when it was first seen and noted in Ind- India, they called it the, the double mutant. So they, 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 the naming of this one is particularly uh, dramatic. But in fact, they all, all these variants are talking about multiple mutations. So what's happened is California, the one they found a few cases in California, is that they, it combines two mutations. Uh, I think these are both in the spike protein of the coronavirus and one of the mutations, which was also seen very similar to what was seen in the variant that was uh, common in South Africa is called the 484. And now they're seeing that in a few cases in California. But, you know, exactly what the properties are of this uh, new double mutant, it's, it's not clear yet. That's what scientists are kind of racing to study. Uh, they're, you know, the, the variants are popping up in increasingly complicated forms. Uh, and what they're really worried about is, you know, will they accumulate enough mutations, especially in the spike protein, to start to escape uh, the effects of vaccines? But it, we shouldn't panic right now. Uh, they're, they're happening, but, 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 you know, this is kind of a, a slow process. When we come back, single and very much ready to mingle, why more people are projected to swipe in the coming months, plus another side effect of the pandemic, Zoom zombies. 
we've all been cooped up for a while, but now that more Americans are getting vaccinations and COVID health restrictions are easing across the country, single people are starting to look for that special someone again. Yeah, getting back in the old habits, the swiping on the dating apps, others considering something more serious. KYW's Charlotte Reese spoke with matchmaker and dating coach Christy Price. To start, tell me how this past year has been for your business. That's a really good question because it's been, it was kind of volatile in the beginning, right? Because everyone was locked down and everyone's afraid to go out. So business dropped off a lot. But with that lockdown, online dating kind of really escalated. And as that escalated, you have more and more people online. You also have more people that aren't serious about relationships. They're scammers. They are in a relationship and just looking for validation. Uh, there are a lot of things. So it's very discouraging online. It does not mean that you can't meet someone online, but it's been really difficult. So with that, I've got matchmaking has really gone up because people are, are, don't want to be online. Either time is money or they're meeting the wrong people or they just don't have, have a preference to be online and have everyone see their profiles. Mm-hmm. I guess online has become a big part of this. And even before the pandemic, online dating has. But what would you say is your typical maybe focus on matchmaking process? And how did you kind of adjust over this past year versus what you would typically do? That's a really great question, because I used to I used to recruit at events and have events. And that's kind of how I get people to build my database. So now with the lockdown, we can't do events. And so, and people would meet there. So now we're doing a lot of, uh, instead of in-person meetings, because I used to meet everyone in person as well um, before I'd work with them. So we do initial consult. So everything's gone to pretty much online for me as well, in terms of uh, meeting people on Zoom instead of in person, depending on people's comfort level. We work, we recruit on different mediums like meetup.com, LinkedIn. I hired a lot more recruiters because it's who you know. So it's a friend of a friend. We don't uh, don't troll online dating sites for matches for our clients. They can do that on their own. So it's been a little difficult in terms of that, but it's gotten a lot better because people are seeing me out there more and they're looking for me in terms of matchmaking and other alternatives to online dating. So it's gotten a lot better. And then in terms of the dates, that's also changed. So how do they meet? Do they meet in person or do they meet, you know, a social distancing and that type of thing? Or they, they do online um, like a Zoom or things like that first. So that's changed as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of like figuring out everybody's comfortability, considering everything. Is Are there any maybe stories, if you can share that kind of stuck out to you, a lockdown love story or anything like that, that you helped with? Yeah, well, there are a lot of people that have connected over this last year. Like I said, in the beginning, it was kind of like crazy. And now, you know, I have had two people just in the last six months that met and they're, they're totally in love. Now, they had met through me. And they did, one of them did online Zoom date first because they were a little worried about the COVID. And then they went for a walk in the park and they kept outside. And I think the nice thing about this as well, that people are going, gravitating away from online dating is that it's not that there's online dating, there's a perception of perfection and there's always something else out there. So the people that I'm introducing now are like, I really want to meet the one. So, I, you know, even if they weren't really into a relationship, now the isolation has made them feel lonely and they're more serious about it. So when they meet the right person, they really want to like kind of dig in and make time to make it work instead of just kind of jumping out and doing that whole dating thing. 
Yeah, definitely. And you you said it's like this lost time that people are feeling and, you know, that's everybody because of the pandemic. Why do you think, you know, people will kind of be looking for matchmaking and you kind of touched on this, but why do you think they'll be looking maybe for something more serious, more commitment to the process than just an app on their phone? I think because it has been isolating. So a lot of people, the people I work with, so before I do matchmaking, they have to really love the life that they have and they're over their ex. I do coaching to kind of get them through that. So uh, if, so the, if they've been really happy with their life as a single person and they're like, oh, I really am not that single, this lockdown really isolated people. And that's not normal for humans in general. So it really made them think twice about like where they are in their lives in terms of their career and their life and their relationship goals. So they really, I've been super busy the last six months in terms of people that are like, I really just want to meet somebody. I realized that I don't want to be alone before I had all these friends. And even still, it's a little difficult to hang out with friends. And they really stepped up their game in terms of wanting to make that a priority for them. Mm -hmm. Have you seen a difference at all in the people that are coming to you, whether that be age or, you know, like the readiness for really to jump into something? Yeah. So it's, been a different chances. So I've always worked with age ranges from 20 to like, you know, 60s. And this last year, I've had so many more 20s and 30s year olds that are coming to me. They're like, look, I don't want to do online dating. People don't know how to date in that age range. They, men don't know how to pull the trigger and make a plan. And that's not all men before I offend some of you great guys out there. Um, but they're just like, I've been career focused for so long and I just want you to do this for me. I don't want to be online dating. I wanted like, now that I have, some, I'm out to be able to get out and do some things a little bit, I want to enjoy my life. So I've seen a, a big difference in terms of the age groups. I always work with professionals, like active, positive mind and perfect professionals. But now I'm seeing a lot of 20 and 30 year olds I'm working with as well. Mm, interesting speeding things up again, right? Because like people were getting married kind of older now. Now maybe we'll see people get married younger again. Yeah. So I, I know that um, before I've worked with a lot of uh, men that and women that are like people aren't serious in terms of wanting to relationship. But this last year, I think it's more so online because you know, there's so many, there's so much saturation, there's catfishing, there's ghosting. It just gets very discouraging for everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's why I've had a lot of reach out. They're like, this is just, it's like a full-time job online dating. It appears more and more people are turning into zombies after a Zoom call. I like saying that, zombies after a Zoom call. It's when you tune out to what's happening around you. Millions of Americans have been spending hours in front of the computer during the pandemic on video conference calls? A new study by an insurance company found 54% of the drivers surveyed say that they have had trouble concentrating on the road after video conferences. Auto safety experts say the zoning out while driving could be contributing to a surge in roadway fatality. This is an Odyssey original. You can find us on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Thank you.